Good morning and welcome back to Aliyah Yomi. Today we're going to be starting Parsha's Chaye Sara. This Parsha is a sum total of 105 psukim, so it is dramatically shorter than most of the Parshas that we've been looking at up till now. And it is, we're go- in our first Aliyah, we're looking at 16 psukim, Perik Chofkim, Pasuk Aleph to Tess Zion. The main point of this first Aliyah is finding Sarah's burial plot. We're told, and a basic summary of the Aliyah is that we hear that Sarah lives for 127 years. It's worthwhile noting, just as a side note, that this parasha is called Chaye Sarah upon her death, the only other parasha in Sefer Bereshis, which is given the root life, is Vayechi. Uh, also, the parasha talking about Yaakov Vinu's death. There's a certain idea of the completion of life being the time we celebrate their life. And uh, we hear that Sarah dies in Kiryas Arba, which is the area of Hebron. And Abraham comes to mourn Sarah and to weep for her. So after he gets up from his uh, from um, the, the taking care of the direct needs of her death, he goes and he presents himself to the Bnei Ches, the people in the area who are one of the Canaanite nations. And he says, A very important statement. I'm both a, a foreigner and a resident. There's a certain sta- sense of what the diaspora Jew is. In this case, it's not the diaspora, but he's not, certainly not the owner at this point in time. And he says, please, can you give me a burial plot for my wife? So they say, well, we listen to you. You're certainly in Seel Kim, You're the Prince of God. Um, we'll give you the best options of burial. Um, and, they, and he bows down to them. And they say, the person you should speak to is, um, the person I would like to speak to is Ephron ben Sochar, because he has this area. He has a cave of Machpelah, and he wants to—I mean—he wants to buy it with great, with all the money necessary to give it to him. So Ephron is is waiting. They have this dialogue, and they there was a negotiation where Ephron starts off seeming to be very generous, but in the end of the day, Avram Avinu pays him a generous sum of four hundred gold uh, silver shekels, which every every merchant would accept. So there's a, a lot of interesting dialogue in this aliyah, a lot of interesting ideas to focus on. Um, without going further, it is worthwhile noting that generally speaking, Ephron is seen as the person of Emor Harbev Ma'at, that he says a lot and he does very little. He seems very generous, but he isn't. And Avram Avinu is the opposite. Avram Avinu is the person who is um, a more ma'at. He doesn't say a lot, but he does say harbei. He does a lot. We know where we would like to fit into in terms of character paradigms. A few points to ponder on our aliyah. Number one is that there is a very fascinating halachic observation made and a very important one, and that relates to marriage. The first mission in Kiddushin tells us that one of the forms of Kiddushin of affecting a legal Jewish marriage is what's called a, a Kiddush Kesef, where uh, an item of value is given from the man to the woman. And that is actually learned, the Gemara says in the very beginning of Kiddushin, from our Aliyah, where it describes how Avraham Avinu bought the field um, bought the field from Ephron. Vayikach, uh, it says, Kicha, Kicha, he bought the um, the field from Ephron for money. And we know that this the same word, Vayikach, is used to describe marriage in the Torah. So the same way that the sale was affected by the giving over of money, so too marriage is affected by the giving over of money. 
which seems a little bit morbid. It seems certainly not very romantic as a description of marriage. What is the Torah trying to tell us over here that the source of marriage, of illegal marriage, is, is in fact learnt from buying of a burial plot? So one perspective, there's a lot of different themes over here, but one very basic theme is, is you go to the Mishnah in Pekhavos in the first Perak Mishnah Vov, Yoshua ben Prachia tells us um, that the, the, a person is required to kenei l'chor to buy yourself a friend. That doesn't mean bribery, that doesn't mean taking a person on, on fancy trips. What that means, as the Ramam says, is that real friendship requires investment. It requires investment of time. It requires investment of emotions. It requires not just functionally being on a person on the, in the sa- on the same train because we're going to the same destination, whatever other shared activity we have in life. It requires investment. And what's being said over here is, is that marriage requires investment. Requ- marriage is like a kinia. in the, It's like an acquisition in the sense that in order for it to work, you need to have emotional investment. It's not just what one gets from it, an idea which this generation certainly needs to learn. More than that, another thesis of idea, uh, an idea which can be learned from over here, is the idea of the everlasting commitment of marriage. If you can imagine, certainly it's all very nice for couples to celebrate their marriage day and have a beautiful wedding album and pictures of that moment of slipping the, r- the ring on the finger and all those beautiful memories and all the money that's invested in that beautiful moment. But what about when it's not so easy? What about when it's going in and out of nursing homes and where there's medical treatments and, and the, the one person is, is more helpless than the other? Hashem Yerachem. In these situations, is it as grand? Is, 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 is the excitement still there? Is there a notion of the commitment then? And what the Torah is perhaps saying to us over here is that Avraham Avinu's commitment to Sarah was not only just the same, but it was even more at the end of her life than even towards the beginning of her life. His care for her needs beyond her life were the same and more than her cares and needs and his looking after her even when they got married. And this is the perspective. Let that be the same perspective from the beginning to the end of their journey together. Another as perspective in marriage as well. Uh, a third perspective to, to think about over here is that both Avram and Ephron walked out of this deal feeling like champions. Ephron came home and said, wow, it came to it probably um, um, said to his wife, you know, um, honey, I probably, I made a kill deal over here. This, was, <laughs> this foreigner doesn't understand the way of the land. He paid so much money just for a field and a cave. And, and he felt he was getting the better deal. And Avram Avinu came out and said, I've got the eternal graveyard, the, the place of Hebron, the place where all the ge- generations are going to daven, where Adam, Adam and Chav are buried. Everybody felt like a winner. Marriage is meant to be where both people will always feel that they're winning. They got the better end of the deal. And perhaps the fourth idea, which is to be found over here, is Rav Soloveitchik has an essay called um, a, a Sacred and Profane. In a section called Place Consciousness, he talks about the difference between a nomad and a settler. A nomad is a person who moves from land to land with their animals, doesn't really care or doesn't invest in the land that they're in. When the grass runs out or the plague comes and the flood hits, they just move on to another area. They're not really invested in the land. A settler is a person who buys a plot of land, looks after it, cares for it. It puts money, puts time, puts energy, suffers with it and rejoices over it and ultimately has a real relationship, a real investment because he is connected to it. And Rasulovetschik says the same is true about relationships as well. There are people who are nomads who flit from relationship to relationship as long as it's exciting, as long as there's something that they're getting pleasurably or comfort-wise. And then when it's finished, they move on to the next territory that, that suits them. And marriage is not like that. The first acquisition of, of, the, of an Israelite in the land of Israel, of a Hebrew in the land of Israel, is Avraham Venus buying this plot of land. And this is ultimately the representation of what marriage is. Marriage is settling down, investing, not flitting from place to place, not flirting from place to place, but investment all the way through. Those are four perspectives in trying to understand the connection between marriage and the buying of this 
plot, the beginning of Sarah and Aram's marriage and the end of their marriage as well. Finally, it's worthwhile noting another point is what was the last test of Abraham? So the mission in Avos tells us that Abraham Avinu had 10 tests. What are those 10 tests is a matter of debate. The Rabbi understands in his commentary on the Mishnahs that the 10th test was in fact the Akedah, the end of Pasha's Vayera. However, Rabbeinu Yonah in his commentary on Masechus Avos disagrees. And in fact, he says that the 10th, the ultimate test was the Kvuras Sarah, the burial of Sarah. Why? The burial, sorry, yes, it was a tough economic negotiation. Yes, it was difficult. He was probably under pressure because of the time that he needed to bury Sarah. So the odds were against him. But that does not seem to come anywhere close to the idea of Akedah, of sacrificing one's own son. So why is this? So it comes back to a basic question. That is, is how did Sarah die? There are different versions of the Medrash over here. There's Medrash Tanchuma. And the Medrash Tanchuma says that the Satan um, appeared to Sarah in the form of Yitzhak and had a conversation, described what Avram Avinu had done at the Akedah, or another version of it is, is that he appeared to, to, to Sarah and showed Avram about to slaughter his son on the Har Hamoriah, at which point in time Sarah, um, Sarah, Sarah actually passes away. That he was, he, she, she is in such shock, she's in so much pain seeing this apparition, that it, 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 her soul leaves her. And the, why is that important? Why is this the Satan? The Satan is usually an a- agent of um, entrapment, an agent of testing, an agent of challenge. Yeah, this just seems like p- pure cruelty. Why? Why is this his job? So the, the perspective is, is very simple, and that is, is that the Satan is not testing Sarah, in fact. Perhaps for whatever reason Sarah's time has come, that's a separate cheshbon. But what happens is that Avram Avinu comes home after Akeda and after overcoming the greatest challenge a human being has ever overcome in all of human history. And he opens the door and one can imagine what he sees as Sarah is no longer alive. And that image that stays in his mind and he understanding and putting connecting the dots realizes that it was his actions that actually brought this about. That this whole episode of the Akeda did have a cost and that cost was the most dear relationship in his life. And one can wonder what he would have thought then. And perhaps that challenge is a challenge of regret. The Satan was challenging Avram Avinu, will you regret your actions? Will you regret what you did on behalf of Hashem when the chips are down? And that was the question that Avram Avinu was being faced with. That was the 10th challenge and a very, very difficult challenge. We say every night in the Birkas Kriyashma uh, that we ask HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to protect us and to, to remove from us Satan to remove the Satan before us and behind us. In front of us, we understand that the Satan tests us. He puts all kinds of challenges in our way. But why behind us? The idea is, is that behind us, sometimes we do good things and the good things come at great cost. And if we regret them, the halacha tells us if we regret good things and if we regret bad things, it undermines the very action we did. The, ch- the last challenge of Avram Avinu was not to regret what he did, which was good, even at the cost and the pain with which it came. This closes our first aliyah. In the meantime, have a wonderful and meaningful day.